Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode 188 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony coming to you from a back porch on a Sunday afternoon with a cold beer and a pipe. Anthony's living the be life a good out day. there. <laughs> I am living the life right now. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I cut my grass this afternoon. Mm-hmm. If you can't tell, we're not recording on Thursday. We're we're off. Uh, we're, you, you already said Sunday. so That's right. We're back to our regularly scheduled not being on the right day. Um, So, yeah, I cut my grass this afternoon, and when I got done, I was like, you know what? I don't feel like taking a shower. I want to go sit on my porch and smoke, and and I know that Michael and I have to record later, so I'm just going to drag my computer out here and sit out here and smoke while we record, because that's called living the life. Mm -mm. Uh, It will take way too much effort for me to uh, (laughs) get my stuff outside so we can do that. So I can mm-hmm. smoke while we record. I'll just rec- I'll just uh, sit in my driveway, um, at nighttime and do it instead. <laughs> That's what I've done. I did that uh, last week one night. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. So it was fun. Nice. I enjoy it. So how was your week? What's man? You? It's been a busy week. So uh, so we've been uh, the church. I I also work for kind of. I just do part time stuff for them, but. Um, a while back we had a, had a little issue with our building, had to move out of our main worship area, uh, for a few weeks to get some repairs done. And this Sunday we moved back in. And so, um, for me, because I do all of the media sound and lighting stuff, um, it was, this week was full of getting everything back into the main worship room so that we can have church today. (laughs) Did so, they clear everything out of the room while they were doing the whatever they were doing? Yeah, so we're uh, uh, we're I guess what would be con- considered a, a poor church. I don't consider it a poor church, but we don't have backups of anything. So I had to move our entire sound system out of the main room into the room we were going to use for a gotcha. couple of weeks. <laughs> so I had to move all of the sound system back this week, uh, all of the equipment back this week, so we could be back in our main uh, worship area. Hmm. So. But it was good times. It was uh, it was a good day to be back in there. We got everything fixed, everything repaired that needed to be done. Room looks awesome. Uh, in the process, I got to install some new equipment, so that's always fun. You know, I love tinkering on sound and lighting equipment. So yeah, it was fun for me. But uh, yeah, that's uh, other than that, it's been a busy week. So I'm glad to have a an afternoon chilling on the porch. So, what about you, man? What's going on in your world? Yeah, we've been we've been busy too. Um, work was crazy this week. My boss was uh, out of town for a couple of days. Um, actually, my boss and his uh, business partner were out of town for a couple of days, so it was just getting things done while they were out of town. Uh, my wife was out of town at the same time, so I had that going on too. Um, <laughs> That's taking, always fun taking care of the kids uh, solo. I told I told my wife. Um, that if anything ever happened to her, I don't know what I would do. Cause like <laughs> it was basically three, like she left on Thursday and came back after the boys went to bed on Saturday. And so basically three days of just flying solo and I'm not built for it. <laughs> I've, I've got to have a helper. Um, There's a reason Genesis is written the way it is where it says, and man saw that he needed a helpmate. <laughs> yeah. I've got to have a helpmate. So, um, but it's good. I had to work yesterday. I had to go to work yesterday um, for a few hours at one of our job sites, mm-hmm. just trying to get stuff done. But it was all good. We had church today. My wife is taking a nap right now. And uh, nice. I went to the store. I think she, she was taking a nap when I came up here. I don't know if she still is. Dude, but Sunday afternoon naps just hit different. Like, even dude, if it's 30 minutes, like a Sunday afternoon nap just hits different. So um, 
I serve on the worship team at our church and I only, I serve like once a month. And the way they do it is um, we, you know, call, call time is five forty-five in the morning and we start sound check at like six and we do a couple run throughs and we have a full run through all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a long day and you're there. It's like yeah. from six to 1230 or one. If you, you know, if you hang around for a little bit. So, you know, yeah. I'll get home from church. We'll have a little bite to eat. And, uh, I'll lay down on the couch and then I'll wake up going, what year is it? Like <laughs> you like those Sunday afternoon naps after you've had a long Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they are there. It's the deepest sleep you'll ever have. So, um, yeah. which is great. But what else is great is, uh, what we're going to do here today. And that's going to, we're going to drink some beer. What beer you got for today? So today I am drinking from, oh geez, I just had a three taverns craft brewery based in Atlanta. I have a Beeps beer. Um, this is genuine Beeps lager beer brewed with tradition from the finest barley malt selected grain and choice of sops. Um, comes in at three and a half ABV. The can looks like a like nice. old school. Dude, Miller, we, we have like similar similar styles going on today. Look, look a, a little bit, a <laughs> little bit similar. So, mine looks like an old, um, like nineteen eighties era Miller genuine draft can. Um, not a huge fan of Miller, so I hope that's not what this is. But we'll see. <laughs> um, but I just have like what appears to be a pretty plain lager today. Yeah, so, sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes, man, it's uh, apparently it's running in the water today because that's what I have. I have the pep talk lager and it's just a, a run of the mill. Um, they they tag it a little bit differently. Obviously, you know, uh, they're going to the beer brands are going to try to promote their own. But this is from the Bearded Iris uh, Brewing in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> it is. It is a great name. Uh, it's called pep talk lager. And um I love their tagline for this thing. It just says, you know, that feeling that anything is possible. Yeah. This is like that. And there you go. So it's just a regular old lager, but apparently it's going to be a good lager. It comes in at 4.2 ABV. So it's right in that their lager mm-hmm. range. Um, I've already had a yingling hanging out here after I cut the grass. I had a yingling at lunch today after, after we got home from church. Yep. Makes for so. a good afternoon. So mm-hmm. well, let's drink some beer, shall we? Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. It's a good old pale lager right here. Yeah, mine too. Dude, that's like water. (laughs) Mine's not much I about to say ours look identical. <laughs> um, I was a little worried because the initial smell I got of it was IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, like that it had a little hint of it. It it subsided a good bit, so I think we're okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure about this. I've seen this beer in several stores and haven't had it yet. Yeah. And every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I need to I need to try that because it looks like it may be good. Yeah. I really hope I wasn't wrong on any of that. So well, I'm a fan of dark, uh, like the amber loggers, you know, obviously because the yingling and all. So mm-hmm. I hope this is good, but I'm I'm gonna be comparing it to yingling because yingling is my favorite lager. So yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat there. Especially since that was the last beer I had. I just had a yingling not long ago. That's so. right. That's right. Well, well, turn them up. Let's do it. Cheers. Okay, can I go? Because I can do this one quick. Okay, go ahead. All right, so I'll start by saying, like I just said, I'm partial to amber lagers. But I also like beers that are crisp and like they just have a fresh taste. Like mm-hmm. they just, it's light. 
um, but it still has that that kind of good crispy beer punch flavor. Um, this is it. Like it, this is a great beer. Um, I'm not gonna give it five just because it's it is a lager, and I mean lagers are just kind of they're kind of standard. Um, there's nothing spectacular or like you have to work hard to get it. So, mm-hmm. um, but that being said, this is different from Yingling, but it has the same like texture consistency, um, not taste because Amber's obviously have a different taste, but this is a, this is a really good beer. So if I give Yingling for four Luthers, I'm going to give this four Luthers as well. Okay. Um, just because, I mean, I'm glad that I have more of these because this is a, like, honestly, an hour ago when I was sweating, like this would have been a fantastic beer to have in my hand. Um, that afternoon, like you're just outside afternoon, crisp beer flavor is what this thing has. It's, it's a great tasting beer. Uh, it's brewed well, consists, uh, consistency as well. Um, good flavor. Um, if you like that, if you like the lighter pale, uh, you, you might like it more than I do. Um, so yeah, I'll give it four Luthers for the pep talk lager from bearded Iris brewing in Nashville, Tennessee. Good job guys. Well, I'm glad that's your experience because my experience is, is not great. I will, I will, <laughs> um, I will give this caveat. I don't know if the beer got cold enough. Uh, I went to the package store before I went to the mm-hmm. grocery store this afternoon. And so the beer sat in the car for uh, an hour yeah. while I was in the grocery store. But my current experience is not great. Um, it just tastes there is there's none of that crispness that you were just talking about. Yeah. The flavor is just kind of bland. Um, so you're saying it's kind of like Miller Lite. That's what it kind of feels like. <laughs> um, sad. I'm it's tempt- so pale. <laughs> I am tempted to put one in the freezer while we record the rest of this episode and then toward the mm-hmm. end get out, get up and go get it. Um yeah. just to see maybe if it if it's cold, if that has anything to do with it. Yeah. Um so maybe that's operator error on my part and not the beer well, itself. I'll say this there is a group of people who drink beer and they believe that the optimal beer temperature is like 55 degrees. Now, I'm not saying where those people are right or wrong, but I am saying those people worship Satan. So, uh, just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you like warm beer, that's your thing. I despise warm beer. Like, I want my beer to be almost to the edge of turning to ice. That's how cold I want it. This, what I'm experiencing is like, it was cold when it was poured, but it was poured Mm -hmm. a while ago. Like that's what it, but I mean, I honestly uh, yeah. just poured it, so it's yeah. like it sat for a while. Um, like your waiter forgot to bring you a beer for twenty minutes, and it just yeah. sat on the bar. And they're like, "Oh no, I forgot." What's funny is some bars have those like table things that you put the glass on. It. It's supposed to keep them cold, keep it from yeah. So, anyway, um, I'm going to for now like this. This is how not great this is for now. I'm going to give this two and a half Luthers. Oh dang, yeah, that hurts. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> like I said, I think I'm going to give it another try before the end of the episode. So yeah, maybe we'll. Ha- it does say serve cold on the can, um, and it's not really terribly cold. Yeah. So again, maybe that's. Maybe I, I I've messed that up somehow, um, but just now, it, I mean, it just it's there's no Christmas. It's almost stale. Yeah, like it almost has like a stale texture to it. The, there's virtually no flavor. Um, I mean, it looks like water. So, I mean, it kind of <laughs> you can tell it's not water, but only barely. Yeah. So, um, I'm gonna give it two and a half for now. But I will be trying another one before the end of the episode. There we go. Uh, th- that'll be a first. That's a first. That for probably the first time we've said we're going. That's how we're how <laughs> it's going to happen. So that's right. Um, but beeps for now, getting two and a half out of five for me. Shoot, daggum. Well, uh, there's a couple. We're we're gonna asterisk that 
and save it for the end. We may come back and revisit. We're going to see. Michael's giving me the gross looking face right now. It's <laughs> just not good. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm going to leave it at two and a half, but I may go lower. <laughs> at the end. <laughs> it being cold may not help it at all. Hey, two Luthers is officially Calic. So, I, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get it that low, it's, it's got to be pretty bad. I wonder if we need to adjust our scale to be like two to six. <laughs> Because we've never Maybe. gone below. Have have has anything ever gone below two? Maybe we need to retroact Kalik down to one Luther, so that we can I hit two know. Luthers. <laughs> I do know our tastes change over time. So what was this is true? What was three and four back in the day? Maybe mm -hmm. lower or higher depending on you know. Yep, sours for me are higher now because I've I've taken a liking to them. Yep. I intentionally didn't get a sour, and there were like six that I saw that I was like, man, that would be fantastic, but I wanted to try something that wasn't a sour. <laughs> there so, you go. That's my well, bad. It's all good. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to... Michael's going to go put a beer in the freezer to potentially raise or lower uh, beeps. Um, the pep talk comes in for Luther's. I'm, uh, I'm really happy with this thing this is a, would you a good would you consider replacing yingling with pep talk as a go-to no just because yingling is cheap and okay. i mean like a four pack of these was like 12 dollars, and i can oh. buy 24 yinglings for like 20 bucks right <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's that's the one thing about yingling that i like like a mm -hmm. a six pack of us of 16 ounces is eight dollars yep which is fantastic yep. I go to Sam's and I buy the 24 pack of cans and it's like $21 and some change. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, well, there's a beer review. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to discuss the book of Galatians and legalism. Great topic for today too. legalism and the book of Galatians. So stick around and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Beers and Bible Podcast. Um, I have gotten a Beeps beer in the freezer. And uh, by the end of this thing, I'm going to crack it open and see if it being cold uh, changes anything. So um, tonight, we are today, this episode, <laughs> whenever you're listening to it, um, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. We're going to do our um, 30,000 foot flyover of the book of Galatians, but a little teaser for... Uh, everyone here um when we finish our book by book walk through how to read the bible study that we've been working on for the last uh year and a half or so yeah may of 2022 yep um we're actually going to do a deep dive verse by verse um exegetical study of the book of galatians so um yep we were just talking about where that will land. It'll be um, after the first of uh, the year. So um, 2024, we'll, we'll some point in January be doing, um, starting our study through the book of Galatians. Um, so just where that lands depends on how the rest of our, of this study <laughs> How quickly goes. we can make it through the rest of the books. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're getting close, but uh, we'll see what happens. So, That's but right. today... Tonight, I'm going to say tonight because I always say tonight, um, we're going to be in Galatians, and here we go. So some uh, data for uh, setting up and, and knowing what's going on here in the book of Galatians. Um, there is There has been an argument that has come up between Gentile believers and the Jewish missionaries who insist that the Gentiles must be circumcised to be included as the people of God. Um, in Jewish culture, circumcision was um, is was just a key. Um, uh, like a sacrament, but not a sacrament. Well, it's I mean, it was it's part like of a, your identity. It's an yeah, it's an identifier of of the men as being part of the Jewish mm -hmm. nation. 
Um, and so that's really, I guess, where Paul is coming from where when he begins to write this letter to the church at Galatia. Um, it's written by Paul, roughly uh, 55 AD, um, written to the Gentile believers in Galatia. Um, and there are agitators in Galatia who are questioning Paul's gospel. They're questioning his apostleship. Um, and they're trying to divide mm-hmm. the believers in Galatia. Um, and Paul's response to this attempt is what we have now is the book of Galatians. Yeah. Um, they're calling into whether or not Paul's gospel is legitimate, um, if his apostleship is legitimate. Um, and in fairness, the questioning makes sense given Paul's history. Um, yeah. So, uh, but Paul Paul responds with what we see here in the book of Galatians. So um, there's going to be five major emphasis as we go through the book here. Um, and the first one, and I think this is one that we can we can take as 21st century Christians with us too. Um, Paul's apostleship and gospel come directly from Christ. Um, mm-hmm. Paul didn't come up with it himself. Paul didn't um, overhear it in a bar somewhere. Like like it like his apostleship, his, the gospel, they all come directly. This all comes directly from Jesus. So um, yes. It's nothing that Paul has done. It's everything Christ has done. Um, mm-hmm. the The death of Christ brought an end to the ethnic religious observances. So things like circumcision that were yep. ethnic, like an ethnic practice to set you apart as the nation of God. Jesus does away with that. His death yeah. does away with all of that. Um, we have that the spirit produces righteousness that the law could not produce. Um, no matter how, um, adamant you were at keeping to the law and sticking to it, there was nothing anyone could ever do to, um, keep the standard that the law set the spirit within us. Once we accept Jesus produces the righteousness that keeping the law could never have done. Yep. Um, the spirit enables believers to yield to sinful desires is another emphasis here. Um, again, the flesh wants to fall into sin. The flesh wants to um, rebel against God and the spirit within us is what helps us overcome our own flesh. Yeah. Um, if, if, if you're, if you try to do it on your own strength and on your own will and all that, you're going to fail every single time. Yep. Um, And then the final emphasis here is that the spirit is received through Jesus. Um, This emphasis is also found in the book of Ephesians. So um, Paul is saying here, the way that you receive the spirit in you to be able to um, achieve the righteousness or yield to sin um, or yield to sinful desires, the only way to... um, receive the spirit is through accepting Christ and what he's done on the cross. Yep. So there's, there's some data to get us set up here. Um, Anthony, why don't you give us some advice on how to read the book of Galatians? Sure. Um, read it quickly. Uh, no, um, Galatians is, is, uh, there's a couple of books that I would recommend reading all the way through in one sitting. Um, I mean, realistically, any book of the Bible I would do, but some of them are just so long you can't do that. But Galatians is one of those books that if you sit down to just read it, you can read the whole book in maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Um, And the best way to understand Paul's arguments is to read them beginning to end. Um, And so Paul, he's going to argue this like this internal argument here. This this is really an internal conflict that's happening inside the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because this is an internal conflict, you you might get lost in some of the details and it can make it hard to read. That's why I would recommend reading the book all the way through and not just once or twice. Read it, you know, multiple times all the way through. Um, if you're sitting down to do your daily Bible reading and Galatians one is on your on your reading schedule, just just read the whole book um, because it will help you understand the argument that Paul is making better 
if you read it beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And so you got to re- I mean, you got to remember, this is a letter um, that he wrote to the church. And so because it's a letter, you aren't meant to read the third paragraph of the second page apart from everything else, you know, like we do a lot of times, you know, and, and, and so. And it's also a letter that wasn't, didn't have the verse and chapter breaks either. So it yes. was all one yes. cohesive um, chapters and verses are not inspired just in case you didn't know that what crazy <laughs> ludicrous ludicrous get out of here <laughs> so but throughout this letter if you read it all the way through you're going to pick up on a lot of key words that paul uses i want to just give some of the words that paul uses here he uses the word law 32 times he uses the word flesh 16 times um he uses the word works seven times he uses the word circumcision 13 times he uses the word christ 38 times. Um, He uses the word spirit 17 times. Some other kind of prominent words are like promise, son, freedom, slave, justify. These are all words. And and you can see, uh, if you just look at those words, you can see how those words tie together. And they they pit this like side A and side B. You know, you you have law, flesh, you have uh, works together, you have circumcision, then you have Christ and spirit and promise and freedom um, kind of all grouped together. You have slave on on uh, in contrast to like justified, and so you you have these words that are that are filling in Paul's argument, and he's going to continue to come back to these words, and he uses them over and over on purpose so that he can make the point that he's trying to make, which we're going to get to when we walk through it. But these words are are really like a focal point because he's going to draw this argument away from ethnic salvation mm-hmm. and he's going to push it towards salvation in Christ and, and salvation through the cross of Christ specifically. Um, and so, so pay attention to the words that he uses, pay attention to the way that he uses those words and how his argument forms as we, as, as you walk through and as you read this book. Yeah. Um, but another thing that Paul's going to point to is the reality that, the seed of Abraham is those who have faith in Abraham or have faith like Abraham, not ethnic descendants of Abraham. Because what the the they call them Judaizers, what the Judaizers were doing is saying that we're better than you because we're ethnic and you have to do it the way we tell you to because it's our, you know, faith. I'm, I'm going to kind of air quote that. It's our faith. But like they they really believe that their history sets them apart and makes them a different class of Christian mm-hmm. than a Gentile. And so they're saying, in order to be more like me, you have to do these certain things. You have to follow these specific rules. And and the reality is it's, it's much like the Pharisees and going back to the Old Testament. If you don't live up to the law, then, then you don't you're not as good of a person as I am. If I hold the law better than you do, then I'm a better person than you are. And it's, I mean, it's, it's essentially a, a class yeah. structure of, of the, what they're trying to do to these people. The thing about the, you know, talking about the Pharisees saying, if you don't hold the law as well as I do, like in God's eyes, no one's holding of the law is better or worse. Right. Yeah. And so I mean, you these, break one part. Yeah. And so these guys are, they know, they may know the law. Yeah. They may know all of the Old Testament better than anybody. That doesn't mean that they're practicing it. There's a lot of yeah. people that know scripture that are also not believers and are oh, yeah. very outspoken about not being believers. So oh, yeah. knowledge and um having knowledge doesn't necessarily mean anything when it comes to your walk with Jesus. Yeah. So knowing something in your head is not the same as believing something in your heart. Yeah. And and it's important to understand that because that's where the 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 legalists and the Judaizers and and that type they they know how to give you the answer but they, they don't believe the answer that they give you. Yeah. You know. And so it's it's it sets up the really interesting dynamic between Paul and this group of people. So mm-hmm. um but then there's going to be those people who do oppose Paul. Um, they're going to they're going to point to Genesis 17. Mostly they're going to be taking it out of context. 
Um, but they're going to be looking for an outward sign of the covenant. And they're saying that that outward sign is circumcision because of Genesis. And Paul is like, in the Old Testament, that was true, but now it's not because Christ has fulfilled the law. And so that's that basically because the law is fulfilled. Now, every everything that we put faith and trust in is in whoever fulfilled that law, which is Christ. Right. Nobody else did it. So we don't put faith in those people. We put our faith in Christ. Um, and then he's going to point to a new covenant, sign, um, which is going to be the circumcision of the heart. And that's where Paul is going to draw the allegory. And, and like you said earlier, circumcision was a sign of being set apart. And to be a Christian means you are set apart. You are different than the world. And so it's not about a physical circumcision as much as it is a circumcision of your heart and your heart and saying, I am opening my heart and I am saying that I can't do this on my own. I need the work of somebody else to do, mm-hmm. do this and fulfill this in me, that person being Christ. And and so Paul is going to continually point to Christ and his fulfillment of the law on in his death, burial, and resurrection that happened on the cross. Yeah, And so he's going to continue to argue that uh, the means of salvation is not grace plus, but it is just grace. Yeah. Um, and so we have salvation because God has grace and God has mercy, and it's not because God has mercy and these things that we do. Yeah. Okay. Um, if it, so that's going to be important. Yeah. If it's grace plus anything we do, then it's the Jesus's death on the cross wasn't sufficient. Hmm. Yep. That's exactly right. Or there was so, no reason for him to go because we could have done it on our own. We could, yeah. If if you could do it outside of the cross of Christ, then there was no reason for Christ to suffer the cross. And basically, what we just left, First Corinthians, becomes a moot point because Paul makes the argument: everything that Christ did was according to the scriptures, and if he didn't do it according to the scriptures, then what he did was useless. Yeah. So that gives us some advice. So let's start. Let's start walking through Galatians. It's, it's a short book. It's only uh, it's only six chapters, mm-hmm. um, but it is, man, it is packed. It is packed full of stuff. So yeah. so let's walk through this book and and see what we can learn from it. Let's do it. So the first five uh, verses of chapter one, Paul is going to do his regular Paul thing. He's going to have a salutation here. Um, he's going to. This is a very unique salutation, though, because he's going to emphasize that his. Um, apostolic authority almost tripped over that one um, comes directly (laughs) from Christ and God the Father not from any human source we already talked about that Um, uh, priest didn't give it to him Paul didn't give it to himself his authority and um, his authority comes from Christ Um, and his focus here and his focus throughout this book is going to be the heart of the gospel so um the true gospel, Paul Paul is going to be laying it out here. Um, the next few verses, um, he's going to, <laughs> this is interesting to me, um, there's going to be a curse on the agitators that we talked about earlier. Um, this is Paul's only letter to a church that doesn't include a thanksgiving or prayer. Um, yeah. And he, he, he gets right to what the problem is, and he warns them sternly against accepting any other gospel other than the gospel of Christ. Um, yeah even if it is preached by angels um, and he pronounces a curse on those who distort the message, the true gospel of Jesus. So um, Paul is very, very firmly and very to the point matter of fact here saying here is what the issue is. And don't, don't let, um, don't let these, this other, these other false gospels, infiltrate um the church here yeah um and now um the next uh the rest of chapter one and most of chapter two um paul's gonna this is gonna be his first defense of the gospel um he's gonna talk about himself and he's gonna talk about jerusalem here um he's gonna defend his apostleship again um he's gonna defend the gospel that he preaches um he's gonna emphasize once again that he received it directly from christ i know we're kind of hashing on that like keep rehashing it but it's the focal point and it's yeah paul's paul's basically saying just reminding them look 
my authority comes from Christ. My authority comes from Christ. My yeah. authority comes from Christ. He's he's not letting there be any doubt where his authority comes from. Yeah. Um, this emphasis helps Paul turn something positive um, that his opponents saw as a negative by displaying uh, Jerusalem's agreement with his teaching. So mm-hmm. Jerusalem is on board with what Paul is teaching here. And Paul is saying, um, you know, hey, Jerusalem is is behind me here. Jerusalem's on my side. Um, not that that's not a not that that's an authoritative thing or anything, but Jerusalem. Um, well, Jerusalem was where Peter was, and now you got to remember that Peter is like he's the guy for the Jews. He he's the guy that's like if Peter says it's cool, then we believe it's cool, and mm-hmm. so. Paul, by pointing to Jerusalem, Paul is saying, hey, Peter's got my back. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and then through this relationship with Peter, um, Paul is showing how Jerusalem affirms his mission to preach to the Gentiles. Yeah. Um, And then the rest of chapter two, um, we get the theological proposition is set forth. Um, Paul argues that justification comes through faith in Christ not through observing the Jewish law, not through following the ordinances of the Jewish law, um, but it comes through faith in Christ alone. Um, He emphasizes that no one can be justified by the works of the law. Um, They can only be justified by um, faith in Jesus. Um, And then the final thing here in chapter two is that the indwelling spirit is the effective agent for living out this new righteousness found in Christ. So, Putting when you put your faith in Christ, it's still not anything you do that works your way toward righteousness. It's the Spirit living within you that, and and we've I feel like we've talked about that the last several weeks, but I think that's because Paul is probably having to tell a lot of his audiences this. Um, (laughs) But anything, if again, if it's anything you do that gets you that you can earn righteousness or salvation or that. If it's anything you can do, then Jesus isn't enough. Yeah. And I think it's in, I don't know this for a fact, but in 55 AD, um, Galatia, it seems that there was a lot of people who were banking on the history and banking on tradition and even after accepting Jesus, they were still going back. And it feels very much like what we see today um, in a lot of churches where you have Jesus and what you're saying and preaching is true, but you're also holding so tightly to the traditions of your fathers and your and their yeah. fathers and their fathers. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that tr- you just get rid of tradition, but if it's if tradition is um, anything extra that is not laid out in scripture yeah then there's no like there's no need to hold on to it and you need to be okay with letting it go yeah i'm not i'm not saying i'm not saying like just forfeit tradition just because it's not in scripture but if there's enough people that are saying like why are we doing this and you can't show us any reason to do whatever like whatever it is i don't want to like i don't want to like put anybody out there and be like for example, these people, but like, <laughs> but like, if there's anything that people are like, hey, why are we doing that? It's not found in scripture. You, as a preacher of the gospel, as a church member, or whatever, you've got to be willing to like take a step back, look at the scriptures yourself, and say, you know what? They're right. I need to let this go. And, you know, it's hard to get rid of traditions. I understand that. But sometimes that's what needs to be done. Yeah. So. Yep. Spot on. I don't know if you're going to say something in that <laughs> in that diatribe but well, the uh, the only thing that I would say is is that tradition never actually becomes tradition until it's left in the past. Um I mean it, it can't be a tradition. It's if it's the way that you still do it, it's not tradition. You're you're just still doing it the same way. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a tradition is something Realistically, I mean, it's something that you say, we did it that way, but we don't have to continue doing that way, and we honor the way that we did it 
back then. I mean, just because you stop doing something doesn't mean that that way or whatever it was that you were doing was wrong. Right. That's not that's not what leaving tradition behind is, because, I mean, the the reality is, I mean, all right, I'll I'll use this as an example. I don't know if this is a good example or not, but, you know, I can think back to the very first car that I I drove when I was 16 years old. Okay. It was a 1989 Ford Escort. Mm-hmm. And I love that car. It was great awesome. Car. <laughs> it was awesome because it was my first car. And if I, if I still drove that 1989 Ford Escort today, 25 years later after driving, after getting my driver's license, then that car would not be a tradition. It would still be current, you know, but, mm-hmm. but, but I can't look back and think, man, that was an awesome car. That was the tradition of my first car, you know, and, and I don't know if that makes sense or not, but and unless I leave that car in the past and I say, you know what, this car served me greatly for the first year that I drove because mm-hmm. I was learning and I ran it into things and it got dents and scratches and scrapes all over it. And the memories that I have in that car are fantastic. And, you know, and and that's what conjures up to me when I think about that first car. That to me is what tradition is. It's you remember the things that you did and you say, man, that was a great time. I'm so glad that I had that car that I was able to move on to my next car and my next car. And each one of those traditions taught me something about what it means to be a driver. You know, I don't run into nearly as many things as I did when I was 16 years old. Mm. Not that I ran into a ton of things back then, but you know, it just, it is what it is when you're a first time driver, you don't have the awareness that you do when you've been driving for 10 years. Yeah. And so, so I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, that's, that was it. I'm done. Okay. I was just gonna say, so why is it so hard for churches to relinquish that? Like, this is the way every generation who's ever been here has done it. So we're not changing it. Like, why, like, why does it take so much effort for churches to do that? Fear. Like to make that change. Fear. Fear. Because I mean, think about it. All right. Let's go, let's go back to my to my car analogy. Okay. I was com- I got comfortable in my first car. Mm-hmm. And when I had to get rid of my first car, now I'm stepping into a new car that I don't know. I don't know how the controls work exactly. I don't know how the steering, if it's exactly the same as my old car that I was used to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just there's nuances and there's change. It's still a car. It still goes forward when you put it in drive and you push the pedal on the right. You know, it it still operates functionally the same way as every other car that has ever been built. But fear says this isn't going to operate the way that it always has. And so I'm scared to move on to this new thing, you know. And and so, I, you know, I think fear is the number one driver. I, I could be wrong. But I really do. I think fear is the number one driver of that mentality because it and and I don't I don't even know that churches would admit that because that's a hard thing to admit. But yeah. but at the end of the day, you you there there's really just two questions that you need to ask myself, ask yourself. Is this new thing, is it unscriptural in any way? Okay. Is there something scripturally wrong with what it is? Okay. Mm-hmm. If the answer to that question is no, and the answer to is this God honoring is the if the answer to that question is yes, then there's really no reason to not lay aside your tradition and move on to something else because the the goal here is that we want to we don't want we don't ever want something to be or we don't ever want what we do to be not God honoring. We don't ever right. want that to become a tradition. We used to be God honoring, but we're not now. You know, we don't want to be that way, and we always want to have what we do be founded and rooted in Scripture. And so, if what we do can be founded and rooted in Scripture, and it is God honoring, then there's no reason for churches to not to adopt that and say, "I want to do this this way." Now, mm-hmm. you can get into preferences at this point and say. You know, my preference is to do it this way. My preference is to do it that way. At that point, we have quit talking about traditions and we're talking about preferences. Okay. And the the key one there to me is worship styles. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. 
I, I don't have a problem with people who worship with a loud band, praise band, or people who worship with a piano. The the tradition that you're doing is worship. Um, or the event that you're doing is worship. The the tradition is how you do it. And so some people will let it go. Some people won't. But if you don't want to let that tradition go and you want to worship with a piano and an organ, sure enough, have at it. If that's what you, if it, it, because the thing is worshiping with a piano and an organ is God honoring and it is scriptural. So there's no reason to not do it. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I'm tracking. Okay. All right. So, um, that gets us through the first two chapters of Galatians. <laughs> um, Anthony, why don't you uh, why don't you pick up there and uh, we'll uh, chapter three. We'll go home. Yep. So chapter three, Paul picks up. He gives his second defense of the gospel here, and he's going to dive into the relationship between faith and the law. So so this section, he's going to say um, he's going to dive into this this how the law relates to faith. Okay, and and how Christians should be approaching this concept of faith and law together, and specifically Christ and the law. Okay, so he explains that the law was this like temporary guardian that was put in put in place until Christ's coming. Because and and we're going to get to this in just a little bit, but Paul's going to use Abraham. Actually, we're going to get to it now. So he's going to use Abraham as this backdrop. And he's going to build his argument. He's going to say uh, these. He's going to make this argument based off of Abraham. Now, a key point to remember is Abraham is pre-law. The law didn't come until Exodus, till Moses. And so, if Abraham has faith, or if Abraham has righteousness, then that righteousness is apart from the law because the law doesn't exist. Right. So you can't have right. So. Therefore, oh, righteousness. Man, I, I've never thought of it like that. Yeah. So righteousness from the outset, I mean, really from creation, uh, righteousness is something that is completely apart from the law. And so for people to drag it into the law is, is actually not scriptural. You know, go back to our two questions that we were just talking about, traditions. It's mm. unscriptural to drag in righteousness and say it is the it is the law that produces righteousness instead of your righteousness that fulfills the law. Because mm-hmm. the you fast forward to New Testament, Christ, it is Christ's righteousness, righteousness that fulfills the law and provides redemption for mankind. So, I mean, the, for, for centuries, they've had it backwards. Now, to be fair, that was all they had. They had the law, and they understood it as the law produced righteousness. Right. Okay? But from the beginning of time, from Genesis, it was not that way. It was righteousness first. Abraham had righteousness. He had faith, and it was counted to him as righteousness. All right? And so you have righteousness before you have the law. So it's not the law mm-hmm. that produces righteousness, but it is righteousness that helps you fulfill the law. Wow. That, and that's like, that's such a simple, like, that's just a simple timeline thing. Yeah. Like, just look at the timeline of scripture and you see that, like, and it's like, you just broke my brain a little bit. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Cause that's like, but we don't hear that. You know, we, we no. always hear, like, we hear about all the stuff in the old Testament where they tried to, um, follow the law to receive righteousness. Yeah. But righteousness predating the law is like this. This may be the first time I'm hearing that. No oh, man, that's good. That's I mean, it, but well, because it's it's that, that doesn't that doesn't make for good preaching. That's why you don't hear it. I mean, right? To but me, it does. <laughs> but to me, it's liberating to hear that because yeah. the law doesn't do anything for your righteousness like no. following the law doesn't do a thing for your righteousness no. and so like to me that would be so freeing to know like it's literally nothing i can do yeah apart from trusting jesus and living my life 
for him the best I can. Yeah. And even the, even the, it's not even like living like the best I can is like a gross um overreach of my ability. Yeah. Like it's still all Jesus. Yeah. Nothing I oh gosh. Whew. <laughs> That's good. I mean, it's it really like when you when you sit back and you think about this and and now we're going to dive way deeper into this when we get to the book of Galatians. And this is mm-hmm. part of the reason I'm excited about the book of Galatians, because yeah. there's so much of this content that's that's deep when you get deep out down into the into the book. And so but I mean, right here, Paul, in this end of chapter three on into the first part of four, this is the argument he's making. And he's using Abraham, somebody who predates the law, to show this to the people because, and and you got to think about it, a Judaizer, uh, somebody who's ethnically Jewish, they're going to go back to the very first person the promise was made to, which is Abraham. It mm-hmm. was Abraham that the promise came to. It wasn't Moses. Moses was who the law was delivered through, but it was Abraham that the promise came to that says. I will bless you and I will make you into a multitude. I will your descendants will be as the sand on the sea, on the shore. You know, that's the promise that was made and that they're looking for the fulfillment of that and Paul right here is making this argument and saying, "Go look at Abraham. I'm telling you that Abraham had it right and the fulfillment of Abraham's promise is Christ, not the law in between all that." Mm-hmm. And so it's I mean it's it's an amazing argument that Paul's going to make here, and and he lays it out so clearly that I mean, honestly, like it, I I feel like I don't know maybe I wouldn't respond this way because I'm just as selfish as they would be too. But I like if I were hearing this, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't didn't see this before. I am completely in the wrong. I've got to fix this mm-hmm. right now. You know, like I, I feel mm-hmm. I hope that would be my response. I don't know that it would because I, I'm a sinner the same as everybody else, but. But he's going to continue to make this argument, and then on through the end of chapter 4, he's going to plead with the Galatians, specifically the Galatians who are who are trying to push this, art, this argument against Paul that says you have to do these things, and it's about ethnic, and you have to follow the rules and the regulations that, um, that were set up in the Old Testament. You have to follow the law. He's going to plead to them to understand that it's grace, and it's it's through Christ that all of this these blessings come and and he's going to finish that out in 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 the end of chapter 4 and then on into chapter mm-hmm. 5 he's going to he's going to contend once more almost like he's setting up and he's going to contend for the gospel in a minute but he he's going to just continue to push this argument that's a contact, contrast between the law and faith and he's going to emphasize that Christians those who have faith in Christ are free from the law's yoke, and and he's going to encourage them. You get to Galatians five one. I know that everybody believes that Galatians five one was written about America because somebody made a a meme picture that had an American flag and it says it is for freedom that you have been set free. Galatians five one, and so I know that that a lot of people believe that verse was written about America, but I'm I'm just here to say that that verse was not written about America, and mm-hmm. and and. And it's it's insulting to take that verse to be about America because it's not about anything that America fought or stands for. Now, I love America. I love our country. But that's not what this is about. This is about your freedom in Christ and the righteousness that you have because of Christ. That surpasses anything that America stands for because America is just a worldly nation that's going to fall away. and It's going to be burnt up in the ash of the second coming of Christ. And and so but what's not going to burn up in the ash is the the faith that comes through Christ and leads to eternal salvation. Mhm. Okay. And so Paul here is is he's emphasizing that we are free from this yoke of the law and we have this freedom in Christ and and he's going to do this with with kind of like another analogy here at the at the end of chapter 5. And he's going to compare the Galatians to Isaac, who was like, he was the son of the free woman. And then he's going to compare Ishmael to the agitators, who was the son of the woman bound uh, bound mm-hmm. up by inner, yeah. inner slavery. And so, you know, the reality is that the agitators are the ones bound up in slavery. 
And they're trying to push that slavery onto everybody else by putting laws and regulations and stipulations on how you should act. And it's the Galatians who are saying, no, I have everything that I need in Christ. Every, I am, I don't have to be bound to a certain way of doing whatever this ritual is that you're saying I have to do. It, you know, if, if it's a different gospel, then, then yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to reject that. But as long as what you're teaching is, is the gospel of Christ, then you're right in step with where you need to be is what is what Paul's going to continue to argue. And he's going to do that at the end of chapter five and, and on into chapter six. And so he, he does this once this final defense of the gospel where he urges the Galatians to use their freedom to love. And again, it goes back to what we've talked about on this podcast. Orthodoxy always affects your orthopraxy. Mm-hmm. If you have right orthodoxy, if you have right belief, then that's going to push you into right actions. And it's going to be actions that are not built out of guilt for the law or trying to keep rules or regulations, but it's going to be actions that are spurred from the faith that you have that says, I want to serve this Christ that did so much for me. Okay. And, and that's what he's going to push here at the end of chapter six. um, As he emphasizes, living by the spirit and bearing one another's burdens. Um, and, and really at the end of chapter five, two, you know, uh, Galatians five twenty two. but the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, mm-hmm. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. And, and I mean, he blows the lid off with that verse right there because he's saying there's not a law for any of this stuff. This is what's produced when you have faith in Christ. And this is different and is completely apart from the law because the law has been fulfilled in Christ. Right. So, um, and then he's going to close it out there, uh, end of chapter six, and he's going to point back to the cross one more time. Um, he's going to have some personal remarks and, and he's going to kind of give one more last little lash out at the, at the agitators and the Judaizers there. Um, but he's going to stress the importance of boasting only in the cross of Christ, which is what we've kind of harped on, I guess you could say. Uh, We've just repeated over and over because it's the calling card of the book of Galatians. The cross of Christ is a calling card. And because you have freedom in the cross of Christ, you can use that freedom to love and minister to and be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around us. Yeah. And, and and all of that happens because of the cross of Christ. So, mm. but that's Galatians in a nutshell. Yeah. Like we said um, at the outset, um, when we get done with this book by book study, we're going to do a deep dive verse by verse through the book of Galatians. So, um, if you've enjoyed this episode, um, be looking out for uh, our next series at the beginning of 2024. Um, where we'll do a, like I said, verse by verse, exegetical study through the book fun. of through the book of Galatians. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited for it, and um, can't wait to see what happens there. But um, if there's nothing else that you want to add, Anthony, um, I'd like to pray for us before we get out of here and enjoy the rest of our Sunday. Please do. All right. Uh, so, God, thank you for today. Thank you for um, a good time in your house this morning. And thank you for um, this good discussion that we've had here today, um, talking through the book of Galatians. Um, God, help us to just live in the freedom that comes from Christ, that comes from trusting in him and his work on the cross. Uh, God, thank you that um, it's nothing that we do that earns us righteousness or salvation, um, but it's all because of the work of Jesus on the cross that um, we have uh, righteousness and we have been saved God um, God help us to remember that if it's um, Jesus plus anything then Jesus's death wasn't enough um, help us to um, just live our lives so that um, we reflect who you are and who who uh, what you or what you've done in our lives and, and for us God um, we thank you for um, just how you're continuing to work and move and God, we are anticipating um, you to continue to do great things because that's who you are. Um, 
We love you, Jesus. We thank you once again for um, this opportunity to get together and uh, discuss your word and enjoy just um, just learning more about you and your character. And so we just pray that you um, use this discussion to make us more like yourself. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anthony, if our listeners wanted to find us on the... I wonder if anyone even listens to this part. I don't know. If you listen to this part, let us know. Oh, I'll let you know. Um, after, so my beer was a little frozen. It had a yeah. little, like, it had a little bit of ice crystal in it. it was, it's That's better. Perfect. It's a little better, but it's not, it's not better than two and a half. Okay. Still trash beer. So, okay. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's still not great, but I, I told y'all I would give it a try and I did. Um, it may be like a 2.6. Like it, it may be like in that range. Okay. Um, if, if, if at the right temperature, but which rounds down to 2.5 because. <laughs> Because math, um, because yeah, math, still, still not great, but yeah. Um, Anthony, if our listeners wanted to find us on social medias and reach us via email and all that stuff, where would they go to do that? So you can find us on the Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. You can search us on Facebook by hitting up beers and Bible podcast. And then you can email us directly beers and Bible podcast, spell it all out at Gmail. Dot com. So beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing your suggestions. And if you actually listen to this part, um, uh, if you hit us up and tell us uh, what the code word is, the code word is Mickey Mouse. If you hit us up and tell us what the code word is, we will uh, give you a reward, which is probably just going to be like a thumbs up on whatever message uh, platform you send us that message on. So because uh, we don't have anything else to give rewards with. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out. <laughs>